0: sharing with us how to prescribe IV fluids. Hi, my name's Alex. I'm going to be talking today about prescribing fluids as a junior doctor. Fluids are a really important part of our roles as FY1s. We prescribe them really often, and they're important for a wide range of things. That includes maintenance, resuscitation, as well as different conditions in medicine, surgery, and other specialties. They're not easy, though. They're quite difficult. There are lots of different fluids and lots of different clinical scenarios pa- patients come of different ages different sizes and they all have different comorbid- comorbidities and there's a problem too some of us tell us some of us say that we didn't get very good teaching on, on fluids at medical school uh, and particularly as a medical student we don't really have much real-life application for them covid has also reduced the amount of clinical time that students have had before they start on the ward so the aim of this podcast is to give you a concise teaching on iv fluid prescription Uh, particularly aimed at the new foundation year one doctor. So let's go over the indications for fluids first. Broadly speaking, these are divided into maintenance and resuscitation or treatment fluids. So maintenance fluids are mainly when the patient is nil by mouth. For example, they have a poor swallow, they're post-surgery, or they have poor oral intake or they're soon to be undergoing certain surgery or certain imaging. Resuscitation, on the other hand, or treatment fluids, uh, have, quite a very, have a, a very wide-ranging uh, number of indications. Commonly, uh, resuscitation fluids are given for hypovolemia due to things like classical dehydration, DNV, high-output stomas, uh, and pancreatitis. Fluids are also the treatment of choice for aspects like other things, like uh, electrolyte disturbances, for example, severe hypokalemia, and other scenarios like diabetic ketoacidosis. So there are many different types of fluids. You may have heard of the big debate of crystalloid versus colloid. Essentially, colloids are very rarely used, and I do not routinely recommend them. Uh, Generally, the fluids you'll see are crystalloids. So this includes Hartmann's, uh, normal saline, 5% dextrose, and mixtures of saline and dextrose. Mm -hmm. It's important to know the composition of each fluid, but I appreciate that remembering the differences between them can be quite confusing. Essentially, normal saline only contains sodium and chloride and is very acidic, as low as pH 4.5. Hartmann's contains sodium, chloride, potassium, bicarbonate, and calcium, and is a fluid most similar to the composition of our normal plasma. Hartmann's contains slightly less sodium at 131 millimoles versus 154, which is what you find in normal saline. Hartmann's also contains 5 millimoles of potassium. Compare this to the version of normal saline with added potassium, which typically is about 40 millimoles. So it's much less. 5% dextrose on the other hand only contains dextrose with no sodium potassium or any other electrolytes. Remembering these differences are important when selecting the most appropriate fluid. As a rule of thumb Hartmann's is what you'll end up prescribing most mostly because it's the most physiological fluid we have available on the wards. However normal saline does have its uses. It can be useful for maintenance fluids when the appropriate amount of potassium is given and it is alternated with uh, dextrose. The ability to add up to 40 millimoles of potassium per bag of normal saline also makes it the ideal fluid for intravenously correcting a low potassium. As I said before, 40 millimoles is much higher than the 5 millimoles you find in Hartman's. However, normal saline is far from normal. It contains a lot of sodium. If you were to repeatedly prescribe normal saline for maintenance, you'd load the patient with far too much sodium and cause hypernatremia. A massive sodium load can also cause renal vasoconstriction and can therefore be toxic to the kidneys and you'd also cause a hypochloremic metabolic acidosis. 5% dextrose's only real use is in maintenance fluid prescriptions. It is for all intents and purposes, pure water. There are no electrolytes, and the sugar content is minimal and provides provides just 170 calories in a whole litre bag. So don't be tempted to use it for feeding purposes. The dextrose is there essentially for osmolarity's sake, to keep the fluid intravascularly. So now we've talked about different types of fluids, it's important to talk about prescribing maintenance fluids in particular. So first ask yourself, does the patient really need maintenance fluids? So remind yourself of the indications for that. If they're eating and drinking good amounts, they likely don't need fluids. Remember that fluids are essentially drugs, and giving them has risks as well as benefits. Inappropriate prescription of maintenance fluids can lead to overloaded patients, for example. And there are also other considerations. Being connected to a drip stand may provide a physical or psychological barrier to patients mobilizing, for example. So once you've decided that maintenance fluids are needed, you need to work out the patient's requirements. It's recommended that patients receive about 25 to 30 mils per kilogram of water each day. They also need 1 to 2 millimoles per kilogram of sodium and 0.5 to 1 millimoles per kilogram of potassium, as well as 50 to 100 grams of glucose per day. So what does that mean? That's a lot of numbers. So if you have a 70 kilogram patient, each day they'll need just over 2 litres of water, 70 to 140 millimoles of sodium, and 35 to 70 millimoles of potassium, plus 50 to 100 grams of sugar. The traditional teaching involves the regime of 2 salty, 1 sweet, which you may have heard of. Essentially, 2 salty, 1 sweet means 2 bags of normal saline and a bag of 5% dextrose, together with added potassium, each bag given over 8 hours or so, so a litre each. Whilst this is commonly taught, you'll end up giving the patient too much water and too much sodium. A more appropriate regimen, for example, would be 1 litre of Hartmann's over 10 hours, 1 litre of 5% dextrose with 40 millimoles potassium over 8 hours, and 500 mils of 5% dextrose with 20 millimoles of potassium over 6 hours. It must be said that this is just one example, and there are lots of different combinations that would work that you have to adapt to your patient. So, I told you earlier that you may find yourself prescribing Hartman's most often, and, that's, and that is because it's the most physiological fluid. This is true, but you shouldn't prescribe only Hartman's in maintenance. You'd give too much sodium and too little potassium. However, it is important that you don't just prescribe a set regime each time. This needs to be tailored to your patient, as I say. Sometimes patients aren't completely near by mouth and are drinking little bits. In this case, you need to adjust the amount of IV fluid that you're giving each day. Sometimes patients have a degree of electrolyte disturbance that means you need to give slightly more or slightly less of that particular electrolyte. And sometimes patients have an ongoing tendency to lose fluids or lose electrolytes that might need attention uh, too. There are also more condition-specific concerns. For example, patients in heart or renal failure can be prone to fluid overload. In liver failure, too much sodium can cause ascites. And during surgery, cell lysis can cause a release of potassium. So post-operatively, potassium replacement should be with caution. In summary, whilst you can have an idea of a decent regime in your head, what you end up prescribing needs to be highly tailored to the patient's size, their current diagnosis, and their comorbidities. So moving on to fluids used to treat or to resuscitate. So fluids are used to treat a wide range of medical conditions in the acute setting. As with maintenance fluids, think, are IV fluids a part of the treatment for what the patient has? I'm not going to go into the treatment of specific conditions like hyperkalemia, hypercalcemia. Instead, I'll focus more generally on correcting fluid deficits. Assessing the fluid status of the patient is crucial for this. Think about the patient before you. Does their condition, does their present condition mean they're likely to be fluid deplete? For example, have they been sat at home with three days of excruciating abdominal pain, uh, unable to eat or drink? Have they been vomiting a lot? Are they septic? Look at their observations too. A classically hypervolemic patient will be tachycardic and hypertensive. However, In hypovolemia, blood pressure only really falls once about 1.5 litres of fluid has been lost from uh, the blood compartment. So patients may be normotensive, but tachycardic as well. Also look at their fluid balance chart. Are they passing excess urine, for example? Do they have a high output stoma, high output drain, high output NG tubes even? And last, look at their drug chart. Were they getting IV fluids before? Are they on diuretics? Also, sometimes drugs like beta blockers can mask tachycardia and these are important to look out for uh, in this context. Never omit examining the patient too. You need to look if they're underfilled or overfilled. Underfilled patients will typically have a slow cap refill time, sunken eyes, dry mucous membranes and poor skin turgor. And similarly, assess for fluid overload too, for example, a raged AVP, peripheral or even pulmonary, pulmonary edema. So now let's talk about the fluid challenge. This is done to replace pre-existing fluid deficits, and so fluid challenges are given in boluses. Classically, this is a 500 ml bolus of crystalloid uh, stat. So recall the main crystalloid fluids: Hartmann's, saline, and 5% dextrose. These, however, are not all equal in the context of a fluid challenge. If you give someone one liter, uh, as a I'm sorry, if you give someone a one liter fluid challenge of normal saline, about 250 mils will stay intravascularly. With Hartmann's, about 225 mL stays uh, in the blood. However, with 5% dextrose, just 80 mils stays intravascularly. Therefore, you should never use 5% dextrose to replace a fluid deficit. Use either normal saline or Hartmann's. However, also be careful with normal saline. As I mentioned, it's very acidic. So try not to use it in conditions that predispose to acidemia, like sepsis or type 2 respiratory failure. You should also exercise caution in patients with heart failure uh, and go slow, so use boluses of 250 mLs. So once you've given your initial fluid bolus, what do you do? You need to see if if it's had any effect. For example, has their heart rate fallen? Has their blood pressure improved? If they're catheterized, has the urine output picked up? And on that note, if they're not catheterized, it would be important to put one in. Let's say the patient has responded well, what next? In that case, it would be appropriate to then prescribe maintenance fluids, as we talked about. If the patient's condition improves, but only a little amount, or improves then falls again, a repeat bolus is needed, and don't forget to reassess afterwards. You may not even need to give a third or fourth bolus. But if you do find yourself giving more and more boluses, always keep in mind that you may need expert help. If they haven't been called already, your reg, the med reg, or the critical care outreach or ITU reg may need calling. Calling your seniors is early is much better than calling them too late. Likewise. If your patient shows no response or is very very medically complicated, senior help should be urgently sought. Patients may need inotropes or vasopressors, and these need to be given in a critical care setting. More elderly and feral patients in these settings may not be candidates for high dependency units or intensive care units, and aggressive fluid resuscitation may cause further harm, and unfortunately these patients may need palliative treatment. Either way, a senior review would be helpful. Also remember that fluids aren't always the start and finish of treatments for conditions that cause hypovolemia. Other drugs, antibiotics, oxygen, etc. are all just as important, and you'd always take a very holistic approach to managing your acutely unwell patient. Now, lastly, let's bring everything together in a very practical sense. So, you're now the F1, and you're presented with a scenario that might involve fluids. So what do you do? You need to ask yourself the following questions. Firstly, does the patient actually need fluids? If yes, are these maintenance or resuscitation fluids? Now look at the patient. What's their size? What's their current diagnosis? Their comorbidities? Do they have cardiac failure? Do they have renal failure? What are their recent urea and electrolyte results? Uh, what fluids have they recently received and are they drinking well or nil by mouth? What are their fluid losses, including urine, NG tube, drain, stomas, etc? What drugs are they taking? And last, clinically, is the patient underfilled? Once you've gathered an idea of the answers to all of these questions, you're now in a position to choose the correct fluid accurately, as well as the correct speed of administration. And don't forget to reassess. Give more fluids as appropriate and escalate to your seniors too. IV fluid prescribing is complex and is definitely not black and white. There are many considerations you need to make, but don't worry. You will find yourself prescribing fluids a lot and you will encounter a wide range of scenarios very quickly into the job. You might find it tough at first, but as long as you stick to some key principles, you'll find your feet and will do a good job. Never simply scribble eight hourly Hartmann's onto the chart. Assess the patient and make a more informed judgment before doing so. And ask your seniors if you're unsure. A good foundation for fluid prescribing is vital and will carry you in good stead for the rest of the career. Thank you for listening.